Hey, hey, how's everybody doing today? I'm Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. So, uh, sorry about taking forever to come out with uh, another one, but we're getting back to more metaphysics. Um, and this week, we're going to be talking about the transcendental of unity, exactly what we mean by unity, some of the distinctions within the within the science. And this one's going to be a bit obscure. It's very hard to understand. Um, in in studying up to to uh prepare for this video it was a little bit even a little bit difficult for me to grasp some of the concepts and i'm i'm pretty used to them so uh make sure you you strap in um grab a cup of coffee and get ready for for this one because this one's going to be a bit difficult definitely a bit difficult but um before we get started remember to be become a patron patreon.com slash militantomas to get access to the after show and a bunch of other cool stuff and uh even if you just want to be nice and help me out you don't even use all the stuff i give you completely fine with me and uh help me to produce more stuff like this because the more time i have the more of these videos i can i can give to you guys and i can do um other areas of philosophy that theologians really want to read up on such as logic and um and uh why does my brain not work right now logic and why why can't i think of another area of, of philosophy this is kind of kind of crazy right now epistemology gosh that's that's what i was i was thinking about okay so after that i will get right into it put myself down there okay so what is unity oh i'm kind of covering it actually there you go. So um, briefly, uh, the definition of unity is going to be something which is negative in conception. That is the destruction of division. So when we're talking about unity, it's actually not something which is really a positive term. So positive terms are attributing something as existent in a certain subject. But it's really going to be positive insofar as we're negating something about the subject. So unity just refers to the fact that we're negating division into something. And um, it is not something added on to being, uh, properly speaking, but it is uh, being. And if you're not understanding what I'm saying here, the last video goes into detail about these. But unity is being insofar as it is related to um, division. And it's the negation of that. So if that, if that makes any more sense out of it. And then it's also called oneness, or um, uh, you'll often hear that being is um, insofar as something it has, insofar as something has being, it is one. And then um, in our men mental conception of unity, in order to illustrate this, we go through three stages. So first, we first we conceive being. So it's obviously um, the first because epistemologically, being is the foundation of all other mental conceptions. And then we conceive of division. So uh, the fact that um, this being is not that being, or the fact that this is one being, that's that's what we're, um, rather than two beings, that's what we're conceiving. And then from this, from this uh, division that we see around us, that, uh, let me see if I have anything around me uh, that I can use to illustrate. Oh, here it is. We have a napkin. Let me grab it. I guess I'll rip it into because it's only one napkin. So we conceive of the fact that these are two napkins. 
these are divided from one another. And then to this napkin, we, we are negating the fact that um, it is in the same situation as two napkins, but the fact that this napkin has oneness to it. So that's the, uh, the way in which uh, epistemologically our, our grasping of unity works, that this napkin is unified within itself, that this napkin is a one thing. So um, in order for us to dispel misunderstanding, um, the conception we have of being we have is our dividing between being and non-being. That is, we judge that this thing is not both being and non-being. So uh, that, that is the way in which we are uh, theoretically working through division, that we are saying that um, this being right here is not non-being, because if it was non-being, that it would be nothing. So the fact that we're judging that this is being and that, um, that this is not non-being and then from this comes forth uh, this idea of unity, that this it is um, being in itself. Well, in itself, it is being. That's what I meant. Not being in itself. Only God is being in itself. So uh, continuing on, when it comes to unity, it's going to include two things. That is being in the negation of division. So remember that it's not that the negation of division is being added on to being, but this is just a, um, a certain relation of being to uh, other beings. So uh, in, in, as an analogy, um, important to understand this definition of, of unity. It is if we were trying to define blindness. Blindness uh, both has um, a man in the negation of sight. That is, that is what, what blindness is. And blindness isn't really a positive term. You're not, you're not uh, really imputing anything positive to somebody when you say that they are blind. You're just saying that he is not something else. You're saying that he is not um, someone who has sight. That is what you mean by blind. You're negating a certain concept that should belong in him. So uh, in, in a similar way, when we're talking about unity, it's not something which is per se um, positively uh, defined. In, in a certain being, but rather it's just negating something else. So in this, uh, we consider three things. So first, we consider the subject of being, which is unity considered materially. Just in our example, the blind man is the material subject of blindness, and uh, this is being. So the subject of unity is going to be being. And then what unity adds, remember, add is going to be something improperly speaking to our concept of being, which is the negation of division. And then a uh, third, that which unity formally consists. And this is being as it has foundation and connotes the negation of the division of being itself. So that's, that's a very technical definition of, of, of unity. And I'll state it again. So uh, unity is being as it is the foundation of and connotes the negation of the division of being itself. So, so notice, again, unity has this idea of not adding on anything to being and also the fact that it is a negative term. So we went from our very uh, loose definition to that very technical definition, but really the only two things um, I wanted to highlight in this section are those two things. Um, uh, the fact that it's not adding anything to being properly speaking and the fact that it's just um, a negative term. And then... Um, as a running technical definition that's a lot shorter than that, uh, unity is being as undivided. So there are um, 
many, many, many different divisions which are made in this. And I'll go over them and I won't go into a super lot of detail. I'll kind of just give you a taste of these. And then in the future, when these are referenced back, that's when I can, um, now that you've just been introduced to the terminology itself and the basic concept, I can go a little bit deeper into exactly what each one of these mean. So uh, broadly speaking, um, unity has two genera, so two, two categories, two genuses. Uh, the first genus is going to be transcendental unity, and the second one is going to be non-transcendental unity. So transcendental unity is the unity of being itself. So that's uh, the unity in which is, is transcends the various categories. So substances, accidents, um, God, us, we all, we all have um, unity insofar as, as we are uh, being itself. And then non-transcendental unity is, is going to be the unity that each one of these separate categories, categories, so to speak, have. So substance has a certain type of unity. Accidents have a certain type of unity. God has a certain type of unity and, and so on and so forth. Beings of reason have a certain type of unity and, and, and so on. So in, uh, in transcendental unity, um, we can make another division versus simplicity versus composition. So there's going to be simple transcendental unity and then composite transcendental unity. So simple unity is a unity wherein there are no parts. And composite unity is a unity wherein there are parts. So, um, so there, there you go. So that um, some uh, some uh, beings uh, have have parts, and some do not have parts. And when it comes to simple unity, um, uh, the exemplary example of that is going to be God, who he has a simple unity um, to the uttermost. And then it's more of like a chain. It's not really more of solid categories. And then uh, you have at the bottom of the racket, you're going to have, I don't know, a napkin, which has uh, uh, a lot of, of different parts and uh, atomically speaking and, and, and so on. That there are, it's a composite unity. It's just really a unity of a bunch of different uh, little parts. And then uh, splitting up uh, composite unity. Uh, first, there's going to be um, the composite unity of being itself, so entities per se, versus the composite unity of accidental being. And the unity of being itself is of a being which has only one existence. So that sounds very complex, but not really. Um, I am a, a really has a, a unity of being itself. Uh, I guess you could actually no, it wouldn't be wouldn't be me. It would be a. Uh, uh, let me think of an example of the unity of being itself. It's really difficult. Um, I guess maybe the soul would be an example. Uh, actually, no, I, I think I would be an example. Yeah, yeah, I would be an example of the unity of being itself. Sorry about that. Yeah, I would be an example of unity of being itself because I have one existence. But the unity of accidental being is of a being with several complete essences and existences. So this would be an example of, uh, let's say, a um, a country, considering the population. There's plenty of uh, different complete essences and existences, which are the people of that country, which are said to be unified, uh, not in uh, the manner of entis per se, but in the manner of accidental being. And there can be 
two ways in which this uh, accidental being is. First, uh, juxtaposition or the unity of aggregation. This, uh, for example, that would be like a, a football team. Uh, no, no, no. That, sorry, I'm I am just just uh, really weird, really off today for some reason. That would be think of um, the unity that. Uh, you, let's say you have a like a salt shaker, all the different um, uh, pieces of salt in there, all the different grains of salt in there. That would have a unity of juxtaposition. Is basically it's just a uh, a grouping that doesn't really have um, uh, a a sort of um, external binding together, which pushes them towards the same goal or anything like that. It's really just the fact that they're similar things which are next to each other or juxtaposed to one another. And a second example of this is going to be final and efficient extrinsic causality. And that's it's very complicated, but it'll make more sense. This is the, the unity of state, or um, we can think of our football team right there is that it's not that they're merely juxtaposed to one another. They're not just a bunch of people next to each other. They're actually working together as a unified whole towards some, some goal. Okay. So, and then with non-transcendental, this gets a little bit uh, sticky. This is, I guess, kind of the part. Um, non-transcendental and transcendental unity is also a bit complicated too, to think about. So the, the unity of reason versus real union. So the unity of reason is where the being is one which is abstracted. Real unity is the unity of a concrete being. So um, yeah, so for the first example, it's gonna be um, something which, think of, think of a being of reason. When we think of a being of reason, uh, it would be, uh, for example, a genus. Genus would be a being of reason. Genus doesn't really exist in the world. It's something that we abstract. So in the same way, um, in a similar way, that is, when it comes to a unity of reason, it's not a unity which uh, really exists out there in the world, kind of uh, like some sort of like substance out there existing, but it's really something where we abstract unity um, from a from a certain example. And then when it comes to, for, for example, if we're thinking about uh, a unity of juxtaposition, which is um, our salt and a salt shaker, that while that does one, while that does kind of have a, a, a realness to it, it's really the fact that we're, uh, we're juxtaposing, uh, that we're taking from reality this certain example of various grains next to each other, and we're forming a mental unity of it. It's not like there's an actual, like, uh, um, interdependence between those various pieces of salt or anything there's no like real interdependence and extrinsic unity so that would kind of be getting to the idea of what a unity of reason is so um and then there's also a real union which is um the unity of concrete being so for example uh, i as a person i have uh i have real unity uh unity if we're considering for example my body and my soul there is a real unity there it isn't just the the fact that uh, I'm abstracting uh, the fact that my body and soul are united, but in actual um, action, in actual perception, in linguistic subject uh, subjectivity, and in stuff like that, uh, we we regard my soul and my body as as actually united in nature, and is just my mind um, abstracting this unity which is preexistent, not my mind imposing the. A, a framework of unity on reality, which would kind of be the idea of unity of reason. Is my mind abstract, my mind um, imposing this this unity where it isn't really pre-existing. So uh, when it comes to 
real uh, real unity can either be formal or material. So uh, in this, uh, formal is according to definition. So formal kind of be the idea of of um, something which is according to the genus. So according to the general category. So there is a uh, a, a real unity when it comes to uh, which occurs in the definition of of a soul. And there's also a material unity, which would uh, be thinking about, for example, the unity which my soul has rather than the, the unity in which uh, is formal, which would be uh, the definition of soul. So if that's helpful. And then when we're thinking about material unity, it can either be substantial or accidental unity. So substantial, obviously, is just unity in regard to the substance or substances, and material is accidents or accidental. And as I said, these are very... Uh, complicated uh sort of categories and they seem very obscure right now I, I understand you completely and a lot of these categories seem like they're talking about almost the same exact thing and they overlap because when we're thinking about a certain unity existing in nature there's um like if we think of we think of uh me for example probably most of these categories can can be referred to myself as an example in, in different aspects obviously but it's it's very hard to uh, to theoretically think of these. But in the future, this is going to really pay off when um, when these categories are applied um, as reasoning techniques in different categories. We've seen this before. Is uh, from the first five videos, I'm bringing in concepts from the first five videos that might have seemed very abstract first, but once they're explained and applied in in an in an actual example or used in a different uh, a certain logical argument then they seem a lot less abstract but just i guess uh, what i'm trying to say is just kind of keep these categories in the back of your mind they're not something really to sweat sweat about uh, just yet and um yeah so now uh, obviously if we're talking about unity we also have to talk about multitude or multiplicity uh so so multitude is that which is composed of units one of which is not the other, or in other words, it is a plurality of units which are distinct from one another. So uh, when we're thinking about a multitude, like if we thought about a, uh, I don't know, a herd of dogs, you just have like 50 dogs out there. There are, um, it's composed of different units, which are the different dogs, and um, they are distinct from one another. And that's, that's the multitude of dogs out there. But um, where you have multitude, you also have unity because unity and multitude um, exist together in different aspects of the same thing. So while with our grouping of dogs, we have the multiplicity of 50, we also have the unity of dogs. So they're, they're all in the same genus. So we can speak of a certain unity, and that would probably be a uh, unity of juxtaposition unless your 50 dogs were, I don't know, participating in the puppy bowl or something or a uh, or working towards like herding cows, or I, I I don't know what your dogs would do, but these these fifty dogs you have out there in, in uh, existing in reality would probably be a, uh, a unity of juxtaposition. So, um, so on the other hand, uh, since multitude implies division, they don't exist under the same aspect. Uh, so I'm not saying that uh, the fifty groups of dogs are both unified and um, Multi, uh, multitude, I guess it would be unified and no multiplied. 
I don't, I don't know what the terminology would be there. They have both unity and multitude in the same aspect, in the same way, um, in the same relation. No, they have they have unity insofar as they um, they are juxtaposed to one another, and they are multiplied in 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 the sense that they have uh, they have these individual units. So uh, usually in in most examples we're going to give and think of, there's both going to be un. Uh, unity and multiplicity no matter where we're looking okay so that's all i have and i hope that wasn't too too painful for you guys it was uh it was a bit painful for me sometimes explaining some of these things are a bit difficult um, because a lot of these aren't concrete examples but later we are going to concretely apply these things so thank you for sticking with it and do penance